You're listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Here are your hosts, Fran Chismar and Tom Knezic. Welcome back to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast presented by Pinelands Nursery. I am Fran Chismar. And I'm Tom Knezic. Welcome to episode 191. And Fran, we were just remarking how far we've come and how close we are to episode 200 coming I, up. So I still can't believe we get to do this. Yeah. It's it's kind of because it's something we both love to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I can't believe it still works. Yeah. Like, yeah, I guess and, uh, and I feel thankful. Yeah. With all the topics that we've covered how many more that there are to cover and um, with the comp there's more competition out there there's plenty yeah. of podcasts for everyone to listen yeah. to yeah we've even told you which ones to listen to <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and there's a, a bunch of folks that we want to to talk to again so um i don't know if we'll ever run out of potential topics we may get right. bored at some point did you ever have tired a, of it i know this is off track already we haven't even introduced our guests but did you ever have a goal of how far you wanted it to go like i always kind of felt like yeah. if we could hit five years and then yeah. it ended. I'd be thrilled. No, I wouldn't okay. say so. All right, I just, just wanted when it, to like, when it when it finished. It was finished. Okay, so, all right. Yeah. I just at this point with where we're at, it's got to hit five years. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, that's not that far away. It's me. a little over a year. So, we're gonna yeah. hit four years next month. Yeah. So. so anyway, we have a really fun guest today. Um, a recommendation from uh, former podcast guest uh, from Bowman's Hill Wildflower Center uh, or Wildflower Preserve, Santina Lorcella. And um, and so I'd like to introduce Amanda Crook of Locust Light Farm. And Amanda, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and Locust Light Farm? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Fran and Tom, for having me. I'm excited to be here. Anytime, anytime. I am an herbalist. I grow herbs. I make herbal medicines, and I teach herbalism classes both online and in person. Um, I've been working with plants my whole adult life, uh, I began as a veggie farmer, and then I started my business as an herb farm, and then I scaled down to be an herbal teaching garden where I could have hands-on classes in the garden, and then I added in online classes into that mix. I'm currently between properties. Um, my lease on the former property ended, and I made a promise to myself that I wasn't going to start yet another farm until I owned the land, so it could be the forever farm, so... Um, working on that project at the moment. Um, so I'm primarily an herbalism teacher. I also do what I call, uh, I write, I write what I call ecological fiction, um, which is imaginative fiction, um, that hopefully helps people to learn about ecological relationships, but also helps people to, um, you know, have that fun, empathetic imagination about the natural world. Awesome. Well, you have two very willing students here Mm -hmm. today and, and hopefully very many more listening and I find it interesting that, again, this is a topic – we talked about it beforehand, but that I know very little about. What I find interesting about that is that we're constantly talking about Native American uses for native plants and, and all the ways they were used as medicine or, or food and things like that. And it's not that I don't find interest in it. I'm afraid to go down that rabbit hole because I'm afraid I'll get way too interested in it. <laughs> so – but – I, I really am interested in learning more. I don't want to speak for Tom, but I, I 
think he feels the same way because your brother is is pretty into yeah, it. Yeah, no, my brother's very into it. Uh, in fact, he was drinking some some I don't want to call it foraged, but uh, some tea that he made that he from plants that he collected. Now I don't want to call it foraged because it was plants that he grew <laughs> that, hmm. that he he specifically picked off. It wasn't he like he just found it. them. He so harvested. He harvested it. it. Yeah. But um, but echinacea, minarda, all that kind of stuff. So awesome, yeah. So we're we're really excited, and I, just for our listeners, just like a, a brief, what is herbalism? Like just like a small definition, and and what it means to you, and and how it is part of you. Herbalism is using plants to make yourself feel better. Um, you know, so if you're someone who you get a stomach ache or maybe you ate too much and then you decide to make a cup of peppermint tea, you're doing herbalism. If you are, you f- if you feel a cold coming on and you decide to make, you know, a soup and then chop up a lot of fresh garlic and throw it in at the end so you're getting some raw garlic, you're doing herbalism. You know, so herbalism is something that used to be ubiquitous, you know, like there was, everyone used to have familiarity with at least a few herbs that they could use just to keep yourself well. Um, and then there probably would be someone who had, you know, a little more knowledge in every say family or in every town. Um, you know, so herbalism can be very simple taking care of yourself. Um, and then it can also become more complex in the realm of clinical herbalism, you know, using herbalism for more complex health issues. Um, you know, and so it doesn't, it can be something that you get really nerdy about and learn a lot about. And, you know, something I love about herbalism is there's so many ways you can go deeper with it. You know, you could go deeper into phytochemistry. You could go deeper into different schools of herbalism, right? There's Western herbalism. There's also Ayurveda. There's traditional Chinese herbalism. So there's different schools of herbalism. Uh, or you could go deeper into learning about botany, you know, or um, medicine making, you know, so there's Um, You know, if you're someone who really loves to study and really loves to learn, herbalism is a great field because you're never going to know everything. And uh, for some people, that's exciting. You know, like even listening to your podcast, like for me, I'm always wanting to learn more about ecological relationships and insects Mm -hmm. and plants and all that. And that's not something I know a lot about. Um, I basically take the minimum I know about it so that I can write stories about it. Um, But that's the thing that I really would like to learn about always more. Awesome. Well, this is a great relationship right here then. That's yeah. a great oh, give yeah. and take. I, I know like from – and this is something I, I've talked about all the time, but like I know my wife has a different relationship with herbalism growing up in Poland. It was a, mm. it was a lot more part of her culture. Mm-hmm. So it's something that she still practices. Uh, like I think it's funny – not funny, but it's like she pickles her own ginger. She does all these things that – like she'll have a slice of ginger every day. Like that's part mm-hmm. of her her morning routine, and it's um, just things that I didn't grow up with, or didn't have knowledge of, or didn't have any connection with. Where I I, I take a lot from her. I'm curious as a teacher, as you're teaching this, how knowledgeable are the people that are coming to you? Do you feel like a lot? Because I feel like a lot of what I do know has been handed down through my family over time. Mm-hmm. Do you feel a lot of that information has been lost or is there – are we in a time where there's a greater connection or people searching for a greater connection? Uh, it's definitely been lost, which leads to the search aspect of the greater connection. <laughs> um, I think – you know, I think the peop- I think the places where the knowledge is more retained in this country is like recent immigrants um, because just 
people, and I would say it seems to me basically every other culture, uh, have retained more of that connection. And in our this particular country, uh, it, the connection has been more lost. Um, so I, I would say it's, you know, most people who come to my classes are either people who are beginners or they've done a lot of solo study where they're reading books or maybe taking online classes on their own. Um, but again, the world of herbalism can be really overwhelming. Uh, and so even if you're taking, if you, even if you're reading a lot or taking classes on your own, it can be nice to go to an in-person class or some sort of longer program just to help you just to consolidate other information you might have learned and to realize, you know, what's essential and what are the foundations um, or what are like, I often think when I teach now, like what are the main um, almost if you think of like systems or patterns or functions that people need to learn because really there's like limitless plants out there. And that is one of the main parts that can get overwhelming is like which plants, because wherever people live, there are plants and where there's plants, there's herbalism. And so, and now in this globalized world, we, for better or worse, have access to plants from all over the world. And, you know, that can just be very overwhelming. Um, so learning kind of the basics and then you learn, well, you know, these, you know, similar plants can be very analogous. Um, you don't need to know 300 plants. Like I actually, this past, in 2023, created a whole course based on this idea that you can just know 13 plants and only use water. And you can basically mostly take care of yourself for the most part with 13 plants and water. You don't even need to get into tinctures or glycerides or oils or anything like that. You know, you, you can just, you can really do a lot with fewer plants. That's a great approach. Whenever, you know, and this is definitely because I know so little about it can be overwhelming. I always go back to when we had Samuel Thayer on mm -hmm. and I said, I know nothing about foraging and it's very overwhelming. And he goes, did you ever pick a blueberry? And I'm like, and he goes, okay, you foraged. You don't need to know every plant. You just need to know the one you're about to eat. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, that's a great way to approach it. I don't have to learn every note on the keyboard. I just have to learn one and what it does and go from there. So I love that your approach is to narrow it down and make it less daunting, um, which I think – takes a lot of the stress away from it immediately like all right i can do this it makes it seem achievable mm -hmm. yeah so the how like to kind of like take a step back how did how did you find yourself on this path to herbalism was there was there an aha moment or something that kind of clicked with you that sparked your interest to take it to another level that's a great question. I can definitely tell you what the path was. Okay. I will say in my own life, I've come to believe that when something is a really good fit for a person, like when something is just really, when something is the right thing for you to be doing, it can almost be hard to remember uh, how you got there in a way because, because everything feels so natural along the way. And then, and then suddenly in retrospect, this has been, you know, this has been your life. Yeah. So I would, I mean, when I was a kid, I spent a lot of time outside and I was very interested in potion making for sure. Uh, I think the first real herbalism I would do is, um, my mom's parents had a dairy farm and my sister and I would take plantain leaf, which where I grew up, we called plantain leaf, but we'd take plantain leaf 
and dandelion flowers because we both knew they were like good for you or herbs in some way. And we would mix them with the cow's feed and like try and feed it to the cows to like help them be healthier. And then my sister became a veterinarian and I became an herbalist. That's Um, pretty interesting. It's almost like an inkling from a child like you kind of knew without knowing. Yeah. Yeah. And so when I was in college, I was planning on going to law school because I cared a lot about I cared a lot about agricultural legislation and um, firstly, like supporting farmers and supporting people who were dedicating their lives to producing food because it's actually a very vulnerable way to live. And uh, legislation can make that more or less vulnerable and more or less ecologically friendly. Um, So I was interested in that. I was very interested in agricultural trade. And I felt like I knew what it felt like to be someone whose life was dependent on livestock because of my mother's parents. But I didn't know what it felt like to be someone whose life was dependent on vegetables. And I was really interested in trade with, um, you know, Mexico and Central South America. So I felt like I wanted to learn more about that. So I volunteered on an organic vegetable farm the summer after my freshman year in college. And I loved it. You know, I grew up spending a lot of time outside and doing a lot of manual labor outside. But then in high school and college, you know, I was just doing academic pursuits and you kind of like stop doing, I stopped doing manual labor. And I just, I love being outside. I love being on a farm again. I loved that kind of work. Um, and so every year when I was in school, I just kept doing farm internships instead of like the types of internships I maybe should have been doing. Um, and actually it was on that first farm that someone taught me how to harvest nettle and dry nettle to drink for tea. So when I, and that was maybe like the strongest spark of interest in herbalism. I I must have been already interested in some degree for that person to teach me that. But when I got back to school, I started drinking nettle tea and I used to be someone who had really bad indoor allergies, like disgusting, like always sneezing. Like I would have to, you know, you're planning your day around like your sneezing and grossness. And I noticed that on the days I drank nettle tea, I didn't sneeze at all. Interesting. Yes. And that was such that was such a quality of life change that I became obsessed with nettle. I started buying every herb book I could find and uh, basically became like a nettle evangelist to anyone who would listen (laughs) about how nettle can help your allergies. And that was, that I think started the herbal interest. So then even when I was still in school, I started doing a lot of reading books about herbalism, ordering bulk herbs online. I learned how to make tinctures. I learned how to make oils. And then when I left school, I became a vegetable farmer but it still wasn't quite the right fit. I think because I'm very extroverted. And so I loved working on a farm crew, but I just need more of like what we would say now, like a platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, though at the time that word wasn't in my consciousness, but um, you know, I think just teaching a lot, like I, I need to teach, I need to talk to people. I need to be <laughs> be out there um, in order to really feel satisfied. And, and I like the work. So that's why, I mean, so right now I'm only teaching. I don't have a farm, but that that blend of having a farm property where you can do that kind of work and be outside and then also be doing a lot of teaching and bringing people together is really, that has been a really good fit for me. Um, anyway, so I, so I was doing a lot of soul searching and decided to start growing herbs because at the time, um, I just wasn't aware of as many places, as many farms that were growing herbs locally. And I had become to be very passionate about local food. And so I thought, well, but when I go make my herbal products, I'm going online to just buy herbs from anywhere. So that's where I got the idea to start growing herbs and then the business evolved from there. 
that's that's awesome. I first be Tom. I, I'm when I first started listening to Amanda talk about this, I'm thinking, oh, you may have a new recruit for what is it that you're a member of the young. Ag, oh yeah, uh, young ag professionals. Yeah, New Jersey uh, young farmer and ag professionals. <laughs> there you mm. go. Yeah, <laughs> Tom may be knocking on your yeah, door yeah. as a recruit. Um, sorry, didn't mean to sidetrack you there. Uh, just with your passion, I was just yeah. like, oh, if I were if I were recruiting people, I would know who to talk to. Um, how do you since making this discovery? Because that's something that would like as someone what suffers with the allergies. If I found something that worked for me like that, I know that would be pretty life changing for me. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you feel since you dove into this? How has your life changed for you? I mean, or was it something you've always kind of like embodied in a certain way, so it just enhanced it, or is this something that like made a big change for you? In terms of like my health, uh, it could be your health, or just your. It could be. Um, just who you are as a person. I think I, I think, I mean, herbalism has become suffused into every aspect of my life, really. You know, so I was, I had concurrently, I suppose, with that already been interested in like, just how to keep one's body well. Like I had, I, you know, had done a yoga teacher training in college and became very interested in energy healing. Um, And you know, I would like when I was growing up, I suppose, like if I look back, there were many plants that I was close to, but I didn't, I didn't think of that as part of my identity as like someone who was into plants. Um, but this is but, more of a lifestyle now. Yeah. Really, and yeah. so, and yeah, so herbalism, you know, it, it, it becomes, it, it became, it can be a lifestyle, you know? So like in our house, we're just, we're using herbs for everything. Like we're just having herbal tea all the time. We're cooking with herbs. Um, you know, the person I married was also is also a vegetable farmer who maybe wouldn't have called himself an herbalist, but was very interested in plants and now knows also a lot about herbs. And so it's just it's just our whole life. You know, it's it's deliciousness. Um, it's you, basically we really like it. We, we really structure our day around what we're drinking. You know, we just <laughs> drink delicious herbal beverages. And so we have that throughout the day, which is one of those things you don't notice about yourself until you travel or take a trip somewhere and suddenly you don't have that and you're just thinking wait a second you know where's my next cup of tea how am I going to get my next cup of tea well it's for for the herbs that you're using for tea or cooking or or medicine or health are are you growing your own herbs are you foraging is it a combination are you purchasing like is there is is there a way to get everything that you need for what you do there would be a way to get every to grow everything I need if I didn't love uh, spices. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Love spices. So, um, so mostly, I in the past I have grown it. This past year, yet I didn't have a garden, and so my husband put in what we called a family bed for us on his farm, and we grew, uh, you know, the herbs that we tend to use the most. And then I will buy herbs from other herb farms um, or there's one company I'll buy herbs from online if I need, you know, if I need to buy them, if I didn't grow it or, um, or whatnot. I, I don't tend to forage much. There's maybe a few things that I will forage. I don't forage a lot. Um, and then otherwise spices. And I do care a lot about sourcing. I'll just throw a book recommendation out there. If anyone out there is interested, it consumes herbs at all, whether it's just like you know, some celestial seasoning, sleepy time tea. There's a book that's called the business of botanicals. 
by Am Armbrecht, and that's an excellent book about the herbal supply chain, which sounds boring. It's really very readable. <laughs> it's an enjoyable book to read. I highly recommend it. I'm going to put the, um, the link to it on our show notes okay. for, yeah. for our listeners. Yeah, so I really recommend that um, if you care. If I think we should all care about the herbal supply mm-hmm. chain. Um, you know, it's certainly important. For uh, You mentioned foraging, and I read an interesting blog post on your website, and I was just curious. For Like I know because I read the blog post, but for our listeners, what your views on foraging are. Mm. Or is I have a few foraging. I think. Well, this is. I think this is the. If I'm remembering the post you're referring to, is my um, one of my views is that I think when people think they're interested in foraging, what they're really interested in is botany and plant ID. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because you know foraging sounds so. It sounds so romantic. You know, it sounds so fun and like oh, I'm going to you know be some sort of self-sustaining person who could just get food from nature. Uh, but really, I think what you want to do is to know how to identify plants. But I think most of us don't think that science is fun. I mean, including myself, like I, you know, it took really going down the herbal path for me to realize, oh, actually, actually, this is what science is and this is fun. Um, but, you know, most people aren't out there thinking, I'd like to learn more about botany. Uh, but really, um, like a botany and plant ID or tree ID class I think a lot is what a lot of people crave and, but it's hard to find those and it's hard to find plant walks and it's a lot easier to find say books about foraging, um, which again also sounds more romantic and yummy. Now you've done plant walks at Bowman's Hill, correct? Wildflower preserve. Have you done? I've done done one. It was a meadow walk. All right. All right. Wonderful. Tom, were you going to say something? I'm sorry. Yeah, but uh, I actually just forgot. (laughs) (laughs) But I, I I think, the gist of it was um, no. I agree with you. A lot of people uh, just have this really romantic uh, view of foraging, and don't realize you really need to know what you're doing. <laughs> One and and it is it, yeah. It comes down to that botany and and plant ID. Um, if you don't have that, it doesn't. It, I guess it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I think I it, I think I shared on the podcast like I, it was probably like two months ago. My wife picked mushrooms from the backyard mm-hmm. and said she was going to make this. I was like, well, do you know what mushrooms these are? And she goes, oh, we had these in Poland. I'm like, you're not in Poland. Yeah. Like it might yeah. look like something from Poland. And she goes, no, I'm, I'm confident I'm going to make them. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I'm I'm going to let you eat them first Yeah, because <laughs> there's no reason for both of us did to Did you down. eat the mushrooms, Fran? I did eat the mushrooms, yeah, after she ate them. Yeah, and then what <laughs> happened? <Then> yeah. <laughs> they were delicious. Yeah. She was she was absolutely yeah. right, but it was still a scary moment for me. Yeah, even though she was confident, I wasn't very confident. Yeah. And with a lot of that stuff, I think it's it's amazing how many of the plants are. Um, I was to say edible. I'll rephrase and say non toxic. Like they're not mm. going to hurt you, mm-hmm. but you need it, and you might have to prepare them a certain way, and or all that but like a lot of people are very scared and this goes back to that discussion that we had with sam thayer too is i think people are very scared of of the plants outside and mushrooms and all that kind of stuff outside because Mm -hmm. they've been it's a learned trait and it was taught on purpose in a sense to uh disconnect yeah disconnect people from those um traditions traditions and food sources um yeah yeah People aren't just scared of plants outside. I mean, something I come across a lot is like people are just scared of herbal tea. 
Oh yeah. Really? Yeah. Really? Like if you just, there's a lot of people, I mean, not maybe in my bubble, but, uh, yeah. Like if you just give someone like loose leaf herbal tea and it's not in a package that can, that's just, it could just genuinely frightening <laughs> to some people. It didn't, let alone be in a, not in a package, but like not in the little bag that's in wrapped in paper and then yes. in a box and then wrapped in plastic. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. No, I I completely agree. It's and I earlier in well, something you were saying, it reminded me when I was cooking the other night, um, and I couldn't remember the ingredient, but it just came to me. I was making something for my son that had raisins in it, and I was like, I wonder how many people don't realize that raisins are from grapes. <laughs> it was the whole. It was the whole like sun made yeah. raisins. Remember how like uh-huh. the sun made raisins it has like it's the brown grapes, but then the grapes on the front are the yeah. white grapes. Yeah, and I always, I don't that always bugged me as a kid because I'm like, it's got to be the the purple grapes yeah. turn into the brown raisins, <laughs> and the golden raisins are the are the the white white grapes, grapes yeah. but they have them inverse on the packaging, yeah. and it always drove me nuts. <laughs> and um, but I was like, how many people don't realize that the raisins are from grapes? And then even a step further, like how many people don't realize like where these grapes came from and that there's like what the grapes were grown for, where were they grown? I don't know where I just pulled them out of the cabinet. And we've really become so disconnected from that food and then what you're saying from the supply chain on top of it. Well, I, j- I can't remember the study and I know we're getting way off topic here, but my wife is a teacher and there was something about free lunches or free mm-hmm. snacks for kids that the least taken snack – like in her district or something was raisins, mm-hmm. and she was thinking that was because a lot of them the kids never had them and didn't really know what they were. Yeah, you know they were like no, like they didn't want I'm anything to do. Currently with going through a raisin renaissance. In my, <laughs> <laughs> my son's three, and it's like, well, what do you feed them? Well, raisins are supposed to be. Yeah, again, it's supposed to be healthy, but you don't really know. It's. Uh, <laughs> but we yeah, we don't want to get too off track. But I'm, I am really glad you brought up the whole supply chain aspect of it. Um, and I'm assuming the book that you're talking about is talking about some of the negatives that happen in the supply chain of botanical herbs, or is it the opposite? Well, it's, it's both. It's more, it's more describing, describing the challenges. I would say describing, I would say it's maybe the, a takeaway of the book is describing challenges and how hard it can be to get fair prices to growers. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, one thing I learned in the book, which wasn't even like a main emphasis, but was fascinating to me is like just the, the trade infrastructure that's set up for the trade infrastructure that still exists, that gets us spices from India. It's the same physical, it's all the same exact infrastructure that was set up during the colonial era. Mm -hmm. Wow. You know, and so, and my husband and I had already started working on buying more like fair trade spices from India prior to this. And then after reading that book, I just thought, and it, there's a, there's an excellent company. I'm just going to shout out another excellent New Jersey company called pure Indian foods um, that started out as a, a ghee and infused ghee company, but they also mm-hmm. now uh, source spices directly from India. Um, so we'd already started buying some spices from them. And then we're just thinking like as much as we can afford, we're buying more and more spices that are sourced directly. Um, Cause that, that's just like, it just really hits you like, oh yeah, like a lot of our global supply was created during like very, um, just like tragic colonial eras and enterprises and infrastructure and all of that. And, but that's the way we're still getting this stuff. Like I, one of my little, um, 
I guess, access to grind in the, in the herbal world is like about cinnamon and how we just like take cinnamon for granted. Like I, I hate when I see um, people using a cinnamon stick as a garnish in a cocktail. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're going to take that cinnamon stick and then use it later, fine. But like that is bark from a subtropical tree, yeah. you know, and it, first of all, it's extremely medicinally potent and it's amazing that in the Northeast United States, we can just have that. Like, that's crazy, you know? And I mean, cinnamon's amazing. I'm so glad we have that. Like, I feel, I feel very lucky. Um, I'm not saying like we need to not have cinnamon, but we just, I think for things like that, cinnamon, vanilla, you know, nutmeg, cardamom, we need to have so much gratitude for the fact that we can access these spices. And I think we should, um, express our gratitude by doing our best to buy spices, uh, first of all, that are like quality for us. Um, because then you're just, you're getting, you're getting more from them. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you know, trying to make sure that the people who are growing them are getting as high a price as possible for the, for their work. Yeah. It's something we've talked about before. It was on one of my book reviews. Yeah. Um, what was it? This is your mind on plants by Michael Pollan. He gets into coffee and tea a little bit, but the idea of caffeine. And mm-hmm. again, he kind of touched on it quasi loosely, but that was the main emphasis for me was, hey, we have this huge supply chain set up to transport a, a bulk product from really poor areas of the world. Um, and mm-hmm. the people who are actually doing the hard work are barely making anything and getting transported in a lot of cases halfway around the world uh, just to be tossed in some water and then thrown away. <laughs> like there, we aren't even consuming it. We're, we're leaching out the, the drug aspect of it and then consuming it. Um, but you have a, a portion of people that is making this possible that doesn't, or gets a very, very, very small chunk of the pie. But yeah. Right. And I think that's the thing. Like when you, I think when you're involved in, I mean, ideally like for my, for many people, when you're involved in, local agriculture anywhere in the world, you suddenly start to care a lot more and empathize a lot more with with agriculture everywhere in the world because so much of our agriculture is still small scale agriculture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a, it's a lot to think about, you know, for everything that's good, there's always, you know, something behind the curtain that you don't always think about. You think about the positive aspects, but not what it takes to get it to you. Yeah. Yeah, and you can drive yourself nuts, like really mm-hmm. digging into it. It's, we say, oh, we really do say it all the time with the whole native plant discussion is like once you find some of this stuff out, your your spring is ruined when you're driving around. Mm-hmm. And once you find oh, out yeah. about invasive yeah. plants and Bradford pears and forsythias mm-hmm. and all this stuff that's invasive, and you're, it used to be, oh, look, there's a, a flowering tree, and now it's that's a really – that yeah. tree is hurtful to the environment. Yeah. The tree itself isn't mm-hmm. bad, but the – the whole thing is not good. Yeah. <laughs> or like the, yeah. the, the yeah. left of Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And it's – it. it. I'm trying to think. There were some invasive plants. I, I can't remember which one it was where like, well, at least you can eat it or at mm-hmm. least like at least this – you can do this with it to do something yeah. with it rather than just ripping it out. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't remember garlic which mustard was a garlic mustard. Yeah. You can, like you can yeah. eat it and yeah. – um, yeah. But, but how many, people love to talk about garlic mustard. How many people are really eating it? 
You know, I, I do. <laughs> do you? <laughs> no, they're really yeah. For how much there is out there, there's very there is very, very few, few people. people eating it. Yeah, and um and I don't eat that much of it. My brother eats a lot, but um you're not making a dent in the no, the, the issue. No, no, no. <laughs> but yeah. no, exactly. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Tom. I I did want to ask for folks that are listening to this, where do you think is like a good place to start? Say they want to learn more about this. Um, or they're already doing some, what are some like the, the starter plants that you recommend to people if they want to start growing something in their backyard that then they can use to start their own herbalism journey? Like let, yeah, let's, if we could give our listeners like just like a little crash course and maybe yeah. we'll pick a few topics like beverages or medicinal properties or food. Those, like the, those were different questions. So there's yeah. like the where to start, what to grow. Yeah. Um, yeah. well, let's start at the, we're we'll, good the at where that. to start. We're good at asking crazy questions <laughs> where where to for for our listeners that are like okay i'm in i'm intrigued where where's a good place to start for the person that's finding themselves interested so firstly i would definitely say books you know books mm-hmm. are a great place to start the library is your friend you don't have to buy all the books um and then maybe some so, like select online courses i don't recommend just googling free content um, yeah. that I don't recommend. So I will say in terms of absolutely intro, Rosemary Gladstar's books are really phenomenal. Uh, she has, you know, focus on Western herbalism and her books are really easy to read and contain a lot of recipes and are very relatable or, um, just, she's a very friendly tone. It's easy to read. I recommend her books a lot. Um, you know, there are some good intro, you know, introductory online courses, um, you just, I think the world of herbalism is completely unregulated, which is, well, not completely, uh, you know, some products are regulated by the FDA, um, you know, products that are being sold by larger companies are, but you, in terms of courses, clinical herbalists, um, smaller businesses, you really need to be a, a discerning consumer. And so, you know, if you're going to ideally a published book, the publishing company has used their discernment. Um, but you know, if you're going to take an online course, you just want to check out where is this person studied? What is their background? You know, does their content seem legit? That sort of thing. Um, I, I have an introductory course, that course I was referencing before it's called 13 and it's about using 13 herbs and water to cover your basic needs. And that really goes through, uh, I would say the, the foundational ways that herbs are interacting with your body and teaches you what you can do with only water because, you know, no one's allergic to water. <laughs> and, you know, ideally most of us have access to it. If you don't, you're not going to be taking an herbalism course. You're, be, you're trying to figure out how to get water for yourself. Um, yeah. So I would say there, I think that, you know, when, when something feels big and overwhelming, choosing parameters can be really helpful. Okay. So whether you're going to choose a parameter that is, say Western herbalism or Ayurveda or whether you're going to say, you know, I just want to, I just want to learn about the herbs that I have in my cabinet right now, because if you cook it all, there's probably some herbs you already have in your cabinet, you know, oregano, thyme, rosemary, mm-hmm. orange peel, ginger, cinnamon, etc. You could only choose those herbs and just study about those herbs and you're going to learn a lot, you know, so giving yourself, or, or if you want to grow herbs, you know, if you, if you say I have space for a garden and you want to see what can I grow here? Or if you only want to like grow native plants and learn about native plants, that's a good parameter too. So, you know, I would say, 
either find some books or or find choose a parameter for yourself and then study within that parameter. Are your classes online? So anyone listening would be able to take it or are they all in person? Yeah, that particular class is online. Okay. I have a, have a few classes online and then I teach other classes in person. Okay. All right. Perfect. I just want to make sure we'll have all that in the show notes too. So if anyone wants to take your, your course after this, they, they'll be able to find it. Stay tuned for more of the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast presented by Pinelands Nursery. Welcome back to the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast presented by Pinelands Nursery. So if that's a good place to start, say the next step, someone's like, I want to plant a few things around my property that that would be good for me to start. Do you have suggestions on that? I know that's really broad. It depends on what they want to do and what they're trying to accomplish. But Yeah, I would say it also depends on where they live. That's the big question. But assuming they were to live, you know, in a range where I live, say like zone six or seven, yeah. um, some herbs that are very easy to grow in the garden would be, you know, calendula, tulsi, comfrey, uh, white yarrow, um, roses, you know, rosa rugosa, mm-hmm. if you have space, is a really, is a really potent herb. Um, goodness, there's so many. Any of the culinary herbs. Um, in terms of native plants, I love monarda. I think that monarda is monarda's plural, I guess, but monarda's a very underutilized herb. Um, goldenrod is a very also medicinally potent herb. See what else is easy to grow? You know, any of the mints, chamomile, catnip. Um, I mean, there's, there's so many really, um, in terms of native plants. Yeah. Monarda is a favorite, of course, like elder, if you have space to grow elder, um, Bone set has a very specific use, but it's very medicinally potent. Um, mountain mint. Mountain mint is not my favorite mint flavor, but um, of course, it's like an extremely wonderful plant to have in your garden. And mm-hmm. that's, um, that's the one native plant I have in my garden that I make tea out of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's I have a little experience with that. And I know that you can rub it on your skin and it will keep mosquitoes away. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. about the breadth of my knowledge right there. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of I'm the sorry. things I've always I've well I shouldn't say always been thinking about but recently been thinking about is um, is as I have my little kitchen garden right outside my my kitchen window um, and I have parsley and rosemary and chives and all the that kind of stuff growing in there and I've been wondering about what are there any native plants I could be using in place of those um do you know of any native plants that are used like as a, a spice? I guess it's technically a spice or, or a cooking herb. Yeah, like a cooking herb. Um, you could use. You can definitely use monarda leaves in as a replacement for oregano. Okay. Yeah, that actually. They're definitely. Awesome. They're a little spicier, especially um, monarda punctata is extremely spicy. Mm-hmm. But you know, you can use monarda in place of oregano. Um. Goodness, that's a good question. Um, well, we knew it would be a hard one because I think if it was easy, they'd yeah. probably be more, more, uh, more found. Yeah, and I Native think a lot of it's it's really it's 
it's a lot easier to find like um, how you can use like black cherry and and elderberry and some of these native plants that produce a fruit or a nut, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. But I would imagine that they would be used for spices at some point. Yeah, I just wasn't sure if you had any background in in that. Um, just because that's been a a personal question of mine. As I'm not that I dislike my uh, my herb garden, but I'm like, well, could I make this a native plant garden too, in a sense, <laughs> or or have some native plants intertwined in there, and then you're you're giving back even more. But I know spice bush, um, you know, berries can be used the mm-hmm. way you would use spice. I've never actually done that. Um, yeah. I've mostly just made tea with leaves. That's something we'll have to try. Yeah, then. we'll yeah. definitely try that. So, if you were to recommend a few of your f- uh, favorite herbs with medicinal properties, what would you recommend? Mm-hmm. Always a hard question. Um, well, one of my favorite herbs that's extremely medicinal that I think we could all be consuming a lot of would be rosemary. Rosemary is a great herb for brain health all around. It's a great great herb for cognitive function. It is an antidepressant. It is extremely, extremely anti-inflammatory. And it's delicious. It's extremely delicious. Um, you know, so rosemary can be taken at therapeutic doses. You could take a rosemary tincture, rosemary-infused olive oil. Um, you know, if you wanted to make a therapeutic rosemary-infused olive oil, you'd make it a lot stronger than one you would just use for cooking. But nonetheless, you could microdose yourself with rosemary every day by having a culinary rosemary-infused olive oil and adding rosemary to everything you're going to roast and just, you know. Um, I also, you know, I rosemary is not very water-soluble, really, but it can be lovely in tea, especially with Tulsi and peppermint. Uh, and I like to burn rosemary, too. It's a really, it makes a really fragrant smoke. Um yeah, so rosemary is one of my favorites. Nettle is one of my favorite herbs. Um, you know, nettle should be avoided if anyone's on a, a, a medicine that's dosed based on your vitamin K level, such as a warfarin family medicine. But other than that, um, and if you have um, issues with the iron levels in your body, then you might need to be careful with nettle too. But other than that, nettle is very nutritious and safe for most people. Um, it's just, you know, it's like if you make a nettle infusion and have it every day, that's going to be like your daily vitamin. Tom, have you ever had nettle tea? No, I haven't. I've I've considered it. I just uh, I think I'm stopping yeah, at the, the store on the way home. Actually, <laughs> it's not, it's not like the most flavorful tea. I see that nettle basically just tastes dark green. You know, it's okay. really high in chlorophyll yeah. and all this. Um, but it pairs well with other herbs. So if you like peppermint, spearmint, lemon balm, ginger, you know, like I always, I don't usually have nettle by itself. I'm usually pairing it okay. with some other. So what? How about some of your favorite beverages to make? Like if someone was interested in teas or other beverages, what would what would you recommend for that? I love the spicy teas. So basically chais. Um, and so we'll make, you know, and we like, you know, working with mushrooms a lot. So we'll make reishi chai where we're using slices of reishi and then we're adding in all, all the spicy herbs, you know, so ginger, nutmeg, allspice, um, cinnamon, cardamom, a little turmeric, all that, black pepper. Um, I just, I love the spiciness. I tend to run cold, excuse me, so especially when it's cold outside, I love a good spicy tea, but even sometimes in the summer, we'll make the, we'll make a reishi chai and then ice it, and then that's your delicious iced chai. Awesome, awesome, all great choices. I think, I I feel good, like I wanted our listeners to be able to come away and say, I'm interested what are some good places to start or some good recommendations? And I feel like we've we've really done that. 
I am curious though for you, like we've talked about the herbs, but I'm sure there's a lot of things that if it does become a lifestyle that there's more to it than just that. How do things – you mentioned yoga earlier. How do things like yoga or meditation kind of factor into your beliefs with herbalism? I think for me it's um, this idea that when you feel anything off of center, whether you wake up and you're feeling stiff, whether you feel a little tickle in your throat, whether you're just feeling kind of tense and angry, uh, if you feel any kind of off of center, there's a way you can make yourself feel better. And that might be that you do even 10 minutes of yoga in the morning, you know, or it might be that you say out loud, I'm feeling annoyed for this reason. And you acknowledge why you're annoyed and you take three deep breaths. (laughs) Or it might be that you make yourself really spicy tea because you were at a family gathering and everyone was coughing. And now you're going to come home and you're going to say, I'm just going to eat all the spices or like drink a really spicy tea that you feel the spices in your throat. Um, You know, so I think that, so I think that yoga just is part of that sort of mentality for me and that sort of approach to life. Um, Yeah, that's what I'd say. Awesome. What are some of the the dangers that come along with herbalism? I'm assuming like with a lot of things you have too much or the wrong thing, you can, there can be issues. Um, Yeah. yeah, What are some of the dangers that come along with it? So I would say herbalism generally is quite safe. The biggest risks are firstly herb drug interactions. Um, Most herb drug interactions are positive. Herb drug interactions can happen. The negative ones happen if say an herb is doing the same thing as the medicine, Mm -hmm. right? So say someone's on medicine to lower their blood pressure and then they start taking an herb that is also lowering their blood pressure. Your blood pressure could get too low, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and there are a few very specific types, like classes of medicines that are, that are going to have the most drug interactions. So warfarin that I mentioned earlier is one of them. Um, or, you know, immunosuppressant drugs because herbs are tending to really support immune function, for instance. So there's a few really specific types of herb drug interactions. Um, for the most part, herbs are safe. But that is, you know, if you're on especially multiple medicines, that's something I would say, if you want to start taking herbs, find a clinical herbalist, you know, and just talk with that person because that person's going to help you. Also, I like to point out that there's a big difference between just consuming an herb mm-hmm. in a cup of tea and taking what's what's considered a therapeutic dose of herbs. So herbs, usually you're taking them like multiple times a day. If you really want to take, take herbs to help a health condition, you're taking them multiple times a day for weeks. You yeah. know, so drinking four cups of nettle tea a day for weeks is very different than having a cup of nettle tea once. Okay. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask when when you mentioned the nettle tea earlier for your allergies, is that like, if you were to stop drinking nettle tea, would you start having it? Like, is it something that over time just kind of cures it or is it something that kind of like, yeah. So, with allergies, I'm going to give you maybe a bigger answer than what you're asking. But okay. uh, so the, your, the answer to your specific question is, if you if you stop drinking nettle tea, you're going to feel symptoms again, and that's because nettle um, is acting. Nettle has antihistamine qualities, and it can also help to decrease excess mucus production. Okay. So it's an antihistamine, and it is helping with the allergy symptoms. So if you stop drinking it, you will feel the symptoms again semicolon, um, you know, <laughs> an allergic response 
is that an alert, what an allergic response is, it's your immune system acting like something is a pathogen when it's not a pathogen. So it's, it's an overreaction of your immune response. So an herbalist is going to approach that from a variety of angles, right? So there are herbs that balance, can balance your immune response. And that is the sort of thing that over a few week period of time or a longer period of time can bring your immune system into balance and heal your allergies. So from an herbal perspective, you know, you know, a more complete allergy protocol. And I, I'll say, I also do have a class about this, um, which I usually run um, in February and March before allergy season. Um, a more complete allergy protocol begin, um, includes taking herbs over a long period of time to support your immune function generally. And, um, and well, I'll just say that to, to balance your immune function generally. And then you can have additional herbs for your acute symptoms. So you're, so you're doing both. That's a fantastic answer. I also wanted to answer Tom's other, the other part of Tom's question is the issue when herbs are not safe. Uh, uh, Unskilled foraging would be one answer, though I feel like that is Mm -hmm. more rare. The other issue is in, in the U.S., we have this kind of like more is more mentality. And another way that herbs can be unsafe is if, say, someone hears about something like turmeric or cinnamon or nettle. And then you go to the store and you just buy capsules and you take a ton of capsules. That is going to be unsafe. Like I, I feel like capsules in a way are the least safe way to take herbs mm-hmm. because it's easy to take too much of them. Whereas it's not, it's not going to be easy to, to drink too much in tea. Yeah. Yeah. But capsules, it's easy to take a lot of. And also capsules can be very adulterated. Yeah. So that, so capsules to, or, or just generally taking way too much of something, that is when things can veer into being less safe also. Yeah. Some of the appeal I, I see in this personally is the link between nature and your, your self, uh, whether it's body, mind, all that, um, which you don't get out of a capsule. And it kind of goes back to what I was saying about the raisins before is like, well, where did it come from? Where, what what even is it? Is it what it says it is? Has it been tampered with in some way? Is it like was it grown the way I would have grown it or wanted to grow it? Or I, well, yeah. it's, just you saying that's making me feel like capsules are like the fast food of the, the herbal industry. <laughs> it's like you're, it's quick, it's easy to get, it's easy to take and move on, but you're not having that same you know, connection. No it. yeah. yeah, it's not having that same connection as going to the store picking out. Or going to the farm and, and picking out what it is or growing it, what you want, and having that connection. There's definitely a little bit of a disconnect just kind of popping that pill to, to mm-hmm. try to get the same effect. Um, is there a danger in in practices? Like is, I know we always talk about pesticides with native plants and what it does to pollinators. I, I guess I don't know if if herbs are being grown for consumption that they're being – treat it differently or you have to be wary of where you're getting your or where your herbs are coming from? Uh, I mean, as someone who has a background in organic farming, (laughs) uh, I feel like that's very important. Um, So I guess a person could disagree with me, but I think most people who care about herbs care about how they're grown. So most herb farms do use organic practices. And I say herb farms as in the types of small scale farms you could buy directly from. Okay. Um, we care a lot about buying organic herbs. You know, if you think about even like even imagine you're buying peppermint, right? Or oregano. That's just being 
cut in the field and dried and shipped to you. It's not being rinsed. It's not even being rinsed, most likely, because rinsing is good. Like if you're adding, you don't want to add water. Water is the enemy when you're drying herbs. You're not adding water to that. Maybe some farms do rinse their herbs, but I would imagine that most farms don't. So that's even different than like if you're buying, um, I don't know, like a carrot or something that's being washed, you know, before it's being sent to you. And, and you know, you, then you're just going to pour boiling water over that herb, which might kill some types of bacteria, but it's certainly not. You're just infusing, you would just be infusing like herbicides in your tea. And that's really which, not ideal. Yeah. That kind of defeats the whole purpose yeah. of what you're trying to do. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, the, my next question is going to take us way off topic. Tom, before I ask the next question, do you have any other questions on this topic? The, the, it's, yeah, <laughs> you the, see what the next question is. Yeah. The only other question I had was um, you mentioned the roses. And uh, the one particularly mentioned was Rosa Ragosa. Yeah. Are any of the native roses, they pack like the same punch as some of the non-native roses when it comes to uh, herbalism uses? So the way to know if an herb, if the if a rose, and by and I mean rose petal, the way to know if a rose petal mm-hmm. is going to be medicinal is if it's fragrant. Okay. So if the rose is fragrant, you can assume it's going to have medicinal properties. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of the rose hips, you just basically need them to be big enough to work with. Okay. Um, so obviously rose rugosa has the the biggest hips, which yeah. is why it's it's an easy choice for herbalists, and it's such an easy plant to grow. Um, but so if you, you know, if a rose is fragrant, you can assume that it's going to be medicinal. All right. No, I yeah, didn't know well, that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Great question. Tom. Great answer. Thank you. <laughs> so the, the next question just kind of like sparked my interest while researching to talk to you through your website. And I thought we could talk about gnomes. I, I, I wanted to see what you could tell me because I know nothing. And I just kind of smiled when I saw it. I'm like, I want to talk about this. I would love to talk about gnomes. Okay. Uh, I, this is one of my personal missions. Uh, I would like to give a caveat, which is that I am not, I am by no means an expert on gnomes or fairies at all. Um, I'm not someone who has like, you know, a long history or a long lineage of communicating with gnomes and fairies. Um, And there there are people, I just want to say there's a lot of people who know a lot more about gnomes and fairies than I do. Um, Nonetheless, I love talking about them and I love, um, I love teaching what I consider to be gnome ecology, which is a very simple concept, which is that if you, if you look out at a space, whether let's imagine it's someone's yard, if you're looking out at someone's yard and you ask yourself, is there a place for gnomes here? You are going to know immediately if the answer is yes or no. Are there little crevices? Could gnomes or fairies live here? I mean, I'm always thinking about the gnomes a little more, but could could gnomes live here? And it's a really quick yes or no. Okay. And I think that that kind of intrinsic um, response is really telling of a place and is going to telling be telling of like the, the ecological health of the place, right? You know, so if you are going out to say um, someone who's growing a lot of native plants in their yard, and you're going to ask yourself, do can gnomes live here? The answer is going to be yes. You know, you're going to see crevices. You're going to see little plants that are overwintering and their stalks have been left alive, you know. And to me, it's kind of a shorthand for like, is this place habitat for life? Is this place supporting life? Um, could insects live here? Could birds live here? You know, are there are there going to be, 
in the morning when you go out, are there going to be little cobwebs glistening with dew and you can imagine fairies napping in them? Um, you know, and so I guess there's a lot to be said about gnomes and fairies, but the, uh, one way that I like to use them to kind of inspire people's imagination is to think, um, you know, if you're just looking at a space, could you imagine gnomes and fairies there? And if your answer is yes, you as an organism are probably going to feel happier and more at peace in that space. And you're going to feel that spark of delight and you're going to feel the sense of well-being that comes from knowing that there's actually life all around you. I, and if the answer is no, you're just going to feel that desolation of, of knowing that there's actually not life around you. I, I didn't know what kind of answer I was going to get when I asked this. I love this answer. Because yeah. it's very true. Like it's yeah. and and you think about like especially if you're viewing it as far as native plants, like you said, you want to make sure it's habitable that you're creating uh, or contributing to the food web, uh, to all the different life cycles, and it's you're doing that if you can answer that question. And I think that's a great way to look mm -hmm. at it. Yeah, I agree. Now I wish Christiane, our coworker, were in here because she wanted to ask about a whole lot of. Like, she's of Irish descent and was like, "Oh, well, you have to ask about." <laughs> these things and i'm like you're way off topic now but well, i guess see, i might be someone who knows a lot more about yeah. this <laughs> yeah because she rattled off a bunch of things that were like you've been holding back on us we didn't know <laughs> <laughs> we didn't know about any of this but i i would have that and i know santino would be curious this is bigfoot do you do you how do you feel about bigfoot as i know santino is a huge bigfoot fan and we we have an axe to grind only because they consistently beat us in the ratings, all the Bigfoot podcasts. <laughs> uh, I'm Bigfoot agnostic. Okay. <laughs> yeah, all right. I have, and, and I'm not, not, it's not that I'm trying to like dodge a controversial topic. Yeah. Um, I just, it's not something I've looked into a lot. So. Okay. All right. That's, that's a very fair answer. I just had to ask. Yeah. So what, did you have something to say? No. Oh, Okay. No, I, I was going to point out how Fran is always upset with all the, uh, the. I, I'm not even sure what the term to use is. I, I think but they're all the, miscategorized yeah. because they're all in all the they're all in nature, yeah. and I'm like, I don't know that that's can be. I, I guess in some respects it could be considered nature. I just don't feel it's fair competition to be in the same same category. Because we're talking about something that you can plant and see and mm -hmm. taste and enjoy, and the other ones are all speculation. That's true. So that's true. That's that's my <laughs> that's my. I would just like them to have their own cat. There should just be a Bigfoot category. Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, there are enough. There's enough. There's Bigfoot enough. Podcasts it could just be they, they can all compete own, against each yeah, other. Their own category. <laughs> oh wait, are you saying that like in the podcast like apps? Bigfoot yeah. podcasts go under nature. That's what you're saying. Yep. A lot of them. A lot well, of you them you choose your own category, but there's mm -hmm. if we're ranked, say say we're ranked twentieth in Apple and nature, or the twentieth top, oh, and top like twenty podcasts at like number there, three or number yeah. five. Uh, oh, oh it's, fifteen it's, of the top twenty yeah. are Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> That's an exaggeration. <laughs> All right, it's eight, at least eight five eight to the, ten. Uh, yeah, but it's, it's five to ten is a lot. Half of the it's, top twenty are are yeah, Bigfoot, and then. We are ahead of some Bigfoot, the lesser Bigfoot podcast, but they're across multiple categories. It just kind of when when you're looking at it, you're like if you t if you subtracted all the Bigfoot category or the Bigfoot podcast out of nature, we'd be in the top ten. I didn't even know this was a thing at all. 
Yeah, that's my little OCD. Yeah. That's <laughs> that's a highlight to my. <laughs> You're right. They should have their own category. Thank you. Thank you. Although Santino disagrees, but we weren't even his in his top five listened to podcasts. So yeah. I just and just to throw uh, that out there just again. to back up, Fran, there was uh, <laughs> there was um, it's eight of the eight of the top twelve. <laughs> Our Bigfoot oh nature God. podcasts have have uh, something to do with Bigfoot or um, or other. Uh, I'm assuming cryptids of the corn has something to do with. I think that's Bigfoot related. Bigfoot, yeah, yeah. 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 It's Bigfoot's in their picture. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Also Bigfoot. All right. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's let's get back on topic. Um, so we're we're at just looking at time, trying to keep us on track. We're we're at our last question, which is always the same question. It's a very simple question. Sometimes it's the hardest question. Um, and a lot of our guests have trouble picking just one. So we never try to let – we, we always use the disclaimer. If you would like to pick more than one, you can. We're not holding it to you forever. You can always change your mind. It could change every hour if you wanted to. But right now, what is your favorite native plant? Mm. Okay, I'll just give you the. I'll just give you two answers. I hope that's reasonable. Uh, that's um, that's fine. I would say, as an herbalist, from an herbalist perspective, uh, it would be Monarda. I love Monarda. Um, Monarda is, you know, you can consume the leaf and flower. It's very spicy. It's a great herb for if you feel like you're starting to get ill. And it's obviously a beautiful plant to grow. Um, Monarda punctata is so beautiful, just like mm. so charming. Um, and I am always trying to get people to grow Monarda. I just, my herbalist heart loves Monarda. Um, and then in terms of the the part of my heart that loves, you know, looking for gnomes and fairies in the forest, uh, that the plant that I feel like fills me with the most spark of delight, I really love native galliums. Like oh, I okay. love seeing galliums, like m- mostly in the forest, you know, of course, but um I really, I just, I love galliums. They're so cheerful. Uh, they seem like they have such, such a fun personality. Like they're bringing little bits of mischief and just they're, they're really cute. And um, yeah, I like galliums. That's, I don't, that's definitely an answer that no one has ever said before. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not sure that anyone, I know we've talked about Minarda, so it's hard to say if someone picked it. Like, I know a lot of our listeners love, like always post in our Facebook group when they're making Minarda tea. And um, that's a lot of our listeners' favorites. And I, I, I share with one of our listeners, Adam Lewis. We both feel that Menarda didima smells like Fruit Loops. Like the smell of it just mm-hmm. kind of like I don't know reminds me of Fruit Loops. I thought I was the only one, but I found some brethren in that. So it's <laughs> there. There, those are fantastic choices. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, so this is the part of the show we always end with final thoughts, and we start with you. But Tom and I will take a turn also. And uh, we kind of hand the floor over to you so you can use it – use the time however you'd like, as much as you'd like. You can promote something. You can mention something we haven't talked about. You can summarize. But we turn it over and the floor is yours. Mm. Let's see. I'll say this is my final thought. Um, if you are someone who already loves plants, which I'm guessing that you are because you're listening to this podcast, I would just like to say that plants are always – available to help you. Plants want to help us. They want to have a relationship and they want to be there for you. And that might mean you helping to 
you know, helping to make your space a space that feels more peaceful and uh, welcoming to you. It might mean helping you to feel better if you're getting ill. Or it might just mean that you're somewhere and you need some advice and you, you know, see a sycamore tree and you say, hey, this is what's going on in my life. Thoughts, you know, and just reaching out and like literally just asking for help from plants. Mm -hmm. And so if you already have a relationship with plants, I just encourage you to, the hardest thing is to remember to ask them for help. And so this is just my little nudge that, you know, whatever you're going through, whatever guidance you're seeking, whatever problem you have, consider asking plants for help. That is a fantastic final thought. Tom, do you want to go or do you want me to go? Yeah, I can go. And, um, and I'll say, I, I just realized I didn't update the end of the, uh, Oh, thank you very much. I would have screwed that up. Um, yeah, no, I, Fran, what am I supposed to read on here? Oh, the back. That it's oh it's, this side okay yeah, yeah. That's Fran wrote a lot of we, he threw I, a paper I, across I should have made an airplane it would have made I, it uh, I always <laughs> get reamed out for uh, yeah. I I forget I, to update the information have, at the end of I the podcast never and I read out friend I, I have, get called I'm not reamed out I've been out. like oh friend you didn't update this yeah <laughs> as if you didn't do so everything I was else. trying to do <laughs> it discreetly <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah it didn't didn't quite um, work that way yeah basically mine was I think it's a a great way. Uh, many of you, like me, have been starting to ask questions about some of this stuff just as we've taken this podcast journey. Um, and that's what, like we were saying in the beginning, it's been 191 episodes, and they've all kind of led us. I, they're it's, all different. They're all standalone episodes, but we a keep lot of them different. are sequ- like sequential, and the topics build on each other. And um, mm-hmm. even some of the things that are like a little more far-fetched and you wouldn't think would apply – tie in and there's little tidbits that I take away from each one. Um, but yeah, it's just lately it's, it's funny that the story about the raisins it was two days ago or three days ago. And I was just making this thing for my son that had raisins in it. And I was like, man, where are these raisins grown? Like, how were they grown? What kind of grapes are they using to make raisins? And like, just started asking these questions. And I'm like, I don't How many people are even asking this question about the raisins and how many of them just are like, or don't even know that it came from grapes, like I was saying earlier. But it's, um, yeah, it's just, I think a lot of people are asking these questions. I think it's a great way to start to incorporate, or incorporating plants, specifically native plants, into drinks and, and your food is a great way to kind of join yourself in nature a little bit more and realize, hey, this is, these are not two separate things. We're, we're one thing that are working together. That's a great thought, yeah. and it, uh, I'll just kind of keep adding to that. It's, you know, what's the worst that can happen? It can make you healthier. It can it can improve your mental state. It all these wonderful benefits, and and like Tom was saying, is I feel like we're from the time that we started this, it just keeps branching out. To, it's like we're taking little tributaries that keep leading us back to the river that's getting wider and wider and wider. And once you know these things, you can't unknow them. You can't unsee them once you see them. Um, but whether this is just another notch in your belt for what you know about native plants or, or uh, the further part of your journey or if this is the step that starts you on your journey towards native plants, never stop learning, never stop asking questions, never stop taking that next step because it's – I just feel so thankful as these 
episodes stack on top of each other, what I've learned, the the people I've been able to meet, the friendships I've been able to make and how it's – I don't know. I feel like I continue on a journey to a better place as I mm. keep going. So I'm thankful for you, Amanda, to be a part of that today and we really appreciate you being here and and I learned a lot and now I, I have more questions, <laughs> not necessarily for you but just in general that I want to continue on. So I, I hope our listeners are – Walking away from this episode feeling the same way that here's something I didn't really know a lot about that I know a little bit about now and I want to know more. So yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, anytime. Thank you. All right. Yeah, so that's going to wrap us up for today. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening to Amanda Crook uh, from Locust Light Farm. For more information, you can visit her website, which is locustlightfarm.com. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listen, listening to Native Plants Healthy Planet by Wow, I'm stumbling over that. Thank you, everyone, for listening <laughs> to Native Plants Healthy Planet presented by Pilots Nursery. We need to put a couple more peas in there yeah, for yeah. you. Uh, thank you to the Egocentric Plastic Men for contributing our theme music for uh, our Meet the Guest episodes. Make sure you stream or buy their music wherever you consume music. Thank you to Dave Bennett for our Native Plant Anthem. You can follow us on Twitter at Pineland Nursery, Facebook at Pinelands Nursery NJ, Instagram at Native Plants underscore Healthy Planet and YouTube at Pinelands Nursery. We're going to put all of Amanda's links in our show notes so you can follow her as well. Don't forget that we have our question and comment line. We have another uh, uh, comment or question waiting for us for our next uh, Buzz episode. Uh, if we, if you leave a – if you call – wow, now I'm stumbling. If you call and you leave a question or a comment, we'll do our best to play it on a future episode of The Buzz. You can call us at 215-346-6189. I will repeat that, 215 215- Three four six six one eight nine. Again, this is in the show notes as well. Um, and don't forget about the Native Plants Healthy Planet Facebook group. A lot of fantastic posts over the holiday season and uh, just starting to dig in and, and uh, respond to some of those. And, and we appreciate all the new members. Yeah, so you can buy Native Plants Healthy Planet merch at our website, www.nativeplantshealthyplanet.com. Uh, yeah, I don't have those the new design T-shirts up yet. I That's haven't even okay. started on We just got the logo. We haven't even uh, – we, we just got new stickers made, Native mm-hmm. Plants Healthy Planet stickers, yeah. two new ones, but we haven't even converted our logo over yet. Yeah. So we're we're in the process. Yeah. It's going to take – of course, we're doing this at the busy, busiest time of the winter for us, so yeah. it will happen shortly. Yeah, which uh, I will say if you want one of those stickers, all you got to do is visit us at one of our upcoming trade shows, yeah. which is um, – We'll be at uh, – by the time everyone at, hears this, we will yeah. have been Next at year, Temple. we're going to be at the, the Mid-Atlantic Nursery Trade Show in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh and I know a lot of people are going to come and say hi to us there. So yeah, yeah. And then later in the month, we're at the NJASLA uh, conference in Atlantic City. We're doing a live podcast at the New Jersey Total Pro Expo. Uh, Tom will be at Plantorama in mm-hmm. Brooklyn yeah. at the Brooklyn Botanical Gardens. I'll be at the Delaware Wetlands Conference in uh, February. Yeah. So. so yeah, if you want a sticker, that's a good way to get one. Stop Just by show up there and, Stop and, by and say, say hello. hello. Uh, and we made I, they're a lot better than the ones I designed. Uh, what a year or two ago now so well we had a professional this is a professional (laughs) (laughs) but uh perfect for a laptop water bottle all that kind of stuff um you can listen oh yeah the the t-shirts we sell all that kind of stuff we don't keep any of the money we donate it um in fact a lot of those are just went out before the end of the year so oh that's awesome um and you can listen to native plants healthy planet uh, really, wherever you're listening now, which is probably on Apple Podcasts, could be Spotify, iHeartRadio, 
uh, Google Podcasts, really wherever consume your podcast, you can hear us there. Do us a big favor, hit subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, add us to your feed, and if you are able to leave a review, a five star review, preferably. And uh, if you do a little write up with that five star review, I give you a shout out on our buzz episodes. So um, it's been light the last couple of weeks with the five star reviews. But, it has been. It has yeah, been. But we'll, we'll see. We got a couple of days before we record our next episode. So, <laughs> yeah. So all right. Uh, with that, thank you, everyone. I'm Tom. And I am Fran. Amanda, thank you so much again for joining us today and being a part of our family. We appreciate it. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, coming up next week, we will have a brand new Buzz episode. Make sure you tune in, and until then, keep it native. Listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Remember to like, share, follow, and comment.